I have a question inspired by something Tucson. Oh, me and Kenny were talking <laughs> about during this episode. It's okay, he'll get there. You'd be hard pressed to find many movies that I don't like, just because I'm a I'm a pretty like forgiving Bird person. Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Kenny gave Birdman three out of five. Yeah. So almost absolutely convinced as soon as he got on on the actual screen that he was going to be the bad it's guy. Going to be another King Candy. Kuna Matata, bitches. Oh, Kenny, right <laughs> on time. Well, the Kenny can go fuck itself. Why didn't you pull the machines? Why didn't you call them? You didn't see what was going on? Well, there's no way to determine that. Yes, man. there is. An infallible way. They won. Well, it's a casino. People got to win sometimes. Hey, what do you think? I'm a fucking idiot. Probability on one four-wheel machine is a million and a half to one. On three machines in a row, it's in the billions. It cannot happen. Would not happen. You fucking Momo, what's the matter with you? Maybe it was the love of the planets. Maybe it was just my growing dislike for this one. But for as long as I can remember, I have dreamed of going into space. Now that I've met you... Would you object to never seeing me again? The biggest regret of my life, I let my love go. That price on my head, was that dead or alive? Don't remember. See if he starts shooting. I don't ask you over for dinner and then suggest you give a lecture on the peoples of Mesoamerica, or whatever your pre-Columbian shit is. This is my job. This is how I pay the fucking rent. The same gentleman that told me that you tried to get your broker's license also told me that you were a straight arrow. He ran a security check on me. Well... Sail on a boat fit for a Bond villain, sometimes you need to play the part, right? First of all, dude, you don't have an ex. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't board it, it gets upset. Its hair falls out. Walter. Fucking no. dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey, you were over the line, that's a foul. What happened? Did your, did your balls drop off? <laughs> Hey guys, welcome into episode 19 of Film Tank. On this episode, we're going to be discussing the new Disney Pixar movie, Inside Out. Uh, my name is Alex Diegman. I'll be your host today. On today's show, we have Nick Cheney. I have a dream. <laughs> Sorry, I cannot get that laugh. Man, out did of you my fuck head. that note up? <laughs> well, that's what I said to you guys before, and I said I didn't want to do it, but you put a gun to my head. We all encouraged you. Hoping to embarrass you, and it worked. I hate you guys. <laughs> that other voice you hear is Kenny Marcellus. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Oh, so Two weeks in a row you had a good intro, and now it's just not. Yeah, that's I didn't want to make it a regular thing. Oh. I'd rather then, then embarrass myself than succumb to unoriginality. Well, then you start expecting it, and I just make an ass of myself. And Yeah, that's yeah. what we're going for. Too okay. late. Well, also, Tucson Egan here as well. <laughs> I, I'm just a witness to this. I was like, are you going to let me have my intro yet? Nope. Yeah, I guess so. What are you, fucking a LeBron fan from Cleveland? You have a Witness t-shirt? No, no. no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sports jokes. Joke. I was going to say Tucson's like, I have right. no fucking idea who you're talking well, about. Well, even our, I would think, like... I know who LeBron is. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. What were you going to say, Nick? Never mind. Okay. I was you forgot, ins- didn't you? No, I didn't forget. I was just you- going to insult our entire listening audience, so I decided <laughs> I'd refrain. He lost his train of thought. Oh, <laughs> you son of a bitch! <laughs> that was a bad Nick joke. <laughs> it was, and it was good. I love that laugh. That's the uh, the Crispin Glover yeah. laugh from the first Back to the Future. <laughs> 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 yes. 
Oh, uh, I love too how Crispin Glover uh, wouldn't come back for the sequel because they didn't pay him enough money. It's fucking Crispin Glover. Well, you know wow. my thoughts on the sequel. I think he won there. Oh, yeah. If anybody doesn't know, I do not like Back it's to the Number Future. four what? on my alt. I hate it. It's number what? four on my. I like the last list. half hour. And Those I are fighting words for Alex. The first one. Fighting no, words. no, no. Of the second movie. Oh, but I hate everything that leads up to it. The idea of centering your film around like more Biff is just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Which one was the uh, the Wild West one? Third one. Third That's one. Third one. I like, I'd rather favorite. rewatch that. I like that one. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Okay, you're full of shit right now. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Ken- Kenny just said he likes it more, too. Yeah. What? I like it. Yeah. Boom. Right here, Kenny. Oh, you yeah. and me, but Your arms are go. too short. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, this is actually a big year for that because uh, it actually is the future day later this October, although those stupid fucking Wait, memes go around everywhere. I was going to say, are you sure it is, or are you actually... No, it's actually this year okay. in October. It's Cubs right. year. Let's go Cubbies. Yeah, they're playing pretty well. We're getting really off topic here, guys. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about Wally. <laughs> Show's gone to hell in a handbag here real quick. Well, what like, podcast are we on, though? Just remind me. When... I was going to say, you talk about this beginning of the show going to hell in a handbag. This is the 19th episode. I think about 17 have been a fucking train wreck from the beginning. <laughs> and so. right before this episode, Alex said, let's try to keep this intro to like a you know a, medius, uh, yeah. a medium size or whatever. If it modest. happened before we started recording, Hot it didn't mess. actually happen. Yeah. So. Hot mess express. <laughs> Can we get this show on the road? No. Yeah, oh, I see how we are, Miss Diva. <laughs> Hey, somebody's got to keep this shit in check. Yeah. But this is an exciting Certainly episode. Certainly not going to be me. This is an exciting episode because this is our first time we're going to do a listener mailbag. That is true, and we will uh, kick off with that before we talk about Inside Out. Uh, we had some top six lists come in after our uh, top six Yay. Uh, favorite Disney animated films from last week. Uh, Nick, why don't you uh, tell us what those were? <clears throat> well... So we have a uh, an email from somebody who goes by the name Caroline Decker, which I cannot assume is a real name because it's actually a reference in a Season 2 Community episode. Ah. But Caroline writes, Hey, Film Tank folks, with an exclamation point, because you know she's excited. <laughs> Your top six animated Disney films episode was awesome. Oh, thank you, Caroline. That's one person that thought yeah. that. So good. Yes, you are the only person, but we appreciate it. Here is my own list for your mailbox. Uh, it's, it's a mailbag, but, you know, next time. You know. At least you didn't send a mailbag. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. So her top six list, and I'm actually uh, going to count down even though she did it from one to six, but hers was uh, – uh, actually, you know what? She put honorable mentions, too, so I'm going to list those first. First, she put under honorable mentions The Little Mermaid and The Black Cauldron. Oh, which I like Black I don't, Cauldron. I was going to say, I don't think we talked about The Black Cauldron at all uh, during that episode. Have any of you guys seen it? Yeah, I actually remember as a kid like going on a mission to actually like find that on VHS, yeah. and when I watched it, it was like that was one of the weirder – Disney films I've ever seen. Yeah, very, like, very dark. Like I mentioned in the last episode, I believe that's one of the ones that like my grandma had on VHS that like you know I never saw before, but I watched it like one time. Fortunately, I don't really remember anything about it, but it's good to see it mentioned here because it's starting to make me think about it, rewatching hmm. it. But her list itself goes <clears throat> from uh, six to one. Goes Robin Hood. Nobody mentioned Robin Hood last time. I was kind of surprised. Uh, the Lion King. I think we all talked about that. Yeah. yeah Akuna Matata, bitches. <sighs> oh, Kenny. Right on time. 
Number four was uh, Mulan, which oh, I don't think okay. we did mention, actually, which was one of my favorite movies really? when I was a child, at least. I loved the song, uh, I'll Make a Man Out of You. Yeah, yeah like yeah. That, that whole training montage I thought was spectacular. That was kind of in that Pocahontas era, wasn't yeah. it? Or was that after? But it, I, No, it was, and I think it was like the much better version of like, okay. that. Girl We're Fighting For is one of my favorite songs. Yeah, that, yeah. agreed. And, and that was also Eddie Murphy when he was still relevant, because <laughs> hmm. he was the dragon, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. He was wow. the little pet dragon. Hmm. Um, number three, the fox and the hound. Oh, well, I think Caroline has a thing for foxes, because if you remember correctly, Robin Hood was also a fox. Thank you for that information, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Caroline's never going to write back in. <laughs> uh, number two was Tangled, which oh, okay. obviously I loved. Uh, number one was Beauty and the Beast. Oh, it sounds like your list, Nick. Did you I just write say, in as Caroline from n- Community? Yeah, no, I did not. Wait I, a minute. <laughs> no, because I don't think I've ever actually seen Robin Hood. But uh, obviously, this is a very smart person because her, <laughs> her list is close to mine. So uh, We did get another list, and uh, that is from somebody named Alex Smith. Alex, did you write in a list? No, that was actually me. Oh, okay. I wrote this one in. <laughs> That's confusing. <laughs> All right, so he says, hey there, here's my top six list. And once again, I'm going to work backwards. Uh, he says uh, his list, starting at number six, is The Great Mouse Detective, which, yeah, yeah Tucson, you had that one. Uh, number five, this is honestly a film that I'm surprised that nobody mentioned because it's actually one of the better ones, in my opinion. The Emperor's New Groove. I'm surprised okay. no one really even, yeah. like, that would have been an honorable mention for me if I had remembered to talk about it because it's one of those best like postmodern Disney movies. Those were th- that was like one of the last like animated Disney films that I actually went into theater actually go see and that was really good. Yeah. No, and I remember when I um I remember when I was a kid and I went to see the Emperor's New Group because that's the movie that opened like in media rays, doesn't it? Like it opens like toward the end of a story when mm-hmm. it's like raining in the forest. Yeah. And because I had no concept of like like narrative or whatever, when I walked in, we had missed the previews, but we had walked in during the opening scene, so I had missed nothing. And yet I remember as a kid thinking that I had missed the entire story because it was like the end of the whatever. Anyway, that's just a little flashback. That's why they dumb Aww. things down for kids now even more I these know. days. And that's a tragedy because it's actually one of the more playful and smart uh, Disney movies yeah mm-hmm. and also uh david spade who would be great for doing voice acting but he's always preferred not to so. yeah no but uh thank god he's gonna be doing joe dirt 2 on crackle <sighs> crackle yeah that's that's the service he decided i'm pretty sure that's the only place that would actually take a joe dirt sequel <laughs> wow um number uh alex smith's uh number four was aladdin which of course we all talked about mm-hmm. uh number three was wally which i talked about at least mm-hmm. that's a great movie number two alex uh you'll like this one hercules oh okay yeah tucson would have had that on his list as well mm-hmm. oh you did that's right i forget yeah. i always forget everything you say just oh thanks nick <laughs> um and his number one is a film i think we're all familiar with called the lion king oh okay so apparently nice. i think if you know just between all the lists that we've had mentioned on this show and even today, I feel like The Lion King is kind of like the crowd favorite out of all of them, which, which makes is a lot actually of actually how surprise. it is. Yeah. So. No, so, and he said he would have included Toy Story and The Incredibles as well, but yeah. since they were released prior to Disney's acquisition of Pixar, I felt like perhaps that was cheating. Haha. <laughs> I'm looking forward to your episode on Inside Out. Well... Well, you good will thing have to, you are in luck. I was going to say, you'll have to wait no longer. So <laughs> Except thank you. after we finish this mailbag segment. <laughs> That's right. So thank you very much to Alex and Caroline for sending in your top six list. And, of course, in the future, or even if you listen to our episode, you want us, uh, that one or our superhero one, you can always send, in, send us in another top six list whenever you want because we'll always read it off. 
Absolutely. And also, if you have a, a suggestion for future top six lists. Yes, because this actually came, uh, speaking of Alex Smith, uh, this elusive Alex Smith, I should say. Um, <laughs> he is a real person, I swear. <laughs> uh, this came from his suggestion. Was One of his emails said, with Inside Out coming out, could we do a top six Pixar list? And we kind of morphed that into more of a broad, encompassing top six Disney film. So you could literally dictate the content uh, that we uh, cover here on Film for sure it's up to you yeah um another person who is a a regular contributor to the show we haven't mentioned yet is uh brian Mm -hmm. and uh kenny uh talks with him usually and i've talked with him too but he sent in a a couple things and one you wanted to mention uh kenny so why don't you uh lead us through what he uh, sent in well he sent a a great review of Entourage, which was not great as in like... But it, but it, w- it wasn't written by him. No, no, no. No, no. He just, he thought it was funny, apparently, much like I did. He he just thought it was worth sending our way and, and maybe getting our opinions on the movie, which I actually have not seen the movie. You have, and we'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, who, uh, who wrote the article? Uh, well, this comes from... It was written by Caleb Horton, who is apparently from Bitter Critic. Okay. Um, my kind of critic. His review <laughs> is uh, titled Entourage and the Slow-Burning Death of the American Dream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I like it already. Uh, like I said, I did not see the movie, but then, again, I, I never watched the show. So I, like, it, just, it just wasn't for me, which, mm-hmm. Alex, we'll get to you in a minute because you had a chance to see this, but... I just quickly read through the review, and I I actually pulled a part of it that I thought was hilarious, and I'm just going to read that real quick. Um, It says, I was shell-shocked by its tone-deaf narcissism and glamorization of unmerited riches. Entourage is a hideous, unwatchable moral low for mainstream filmmaking. But this does not make it fun to watch. If you are thinking about watching it ironically to stir up rage, please do anything else. Go for a walk. Read that book you pretended to read in high school. Stare at a bad painting until you think it means something. (laughs) Stand in front of a mirror and part your hair in a different direction. Ask your gas station attendant what items people steal most and least often. Tell someone trust tell some trusted family members you're in jail and figure out if they're good for the bail. See how far you can throw a rock and then go find the rock. If you do all these things and you still want to see Entourage, do yourself a favor and start a new life somewhere. <laughs> I like so, that. So that being said, um, I really didn't care to see this movie already, but as the uh, so did most other people <laughs> as the resident. Entourage fan, you you saw this. What what were your thoughts on this movie? Um, first of all, let me just from the beginning part of that. It sounds like Caleb possibly ha- never watched a lot of the episodes of Entourage. <laughs> I was going to say that's like complaining that milk is white <laughs> because um, a lot of like the white riches narcissism was pretty much the entire series. It's just the fact of life. <laughs> I'm sorry, okay. that's okay. Uh. Tuzat, you had said you honestly know nothing about the series. You need to give me like the the like too long didn't watch synopsis of this because everything I've heard like off chance about it just what I've pieced together is like so it's a bunch of like narcissistic white guys who drive around and like treat women like shit. So this this uh, show for the most part uh, is based around a uh, actor in Hollywood whose name is Vincent Chase. Of course, 
and he is starts off on the series. Um, he's just off his first like major project, and the series and the movie follows his career for the most part. And he has his entourage, which include his brother Johnny. I get it now. Yeah. Hey, that's the name of the show. His um his manager, uh, whose name is Eric E. Murphy, who's um previously has no work experience in the field and previously works in Sbarro's, which I think actually got brought up on almost every episode and is brought up extensively in the movie that he worked at a Sbarro before. So I don't know why that is. It's called uh, product placement. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Or a running joke. Free advertising. Yeah. Why not it's cash both. money is what No, the is. whole show was a running joke. It was, uh... <laughs> but also, uh, there are other main characters like Turtle, who is their driver, and then by the end of the run, ended up becoming a main really? character. Yeah, it was their driver. I watched two scenes of it. I never got that. <laughs> well, he always drives whenever they go anywhere. Uh, so I guess that's true. Should yeah. be pretty obvious from that. But they they actually like hit you over the head with it in the first season. And they're like, he's the driver. It's been like, I watched it when it aired, so it's been a while. That's fine. And then the main reason that a lot of people watch the show, especially early on, was for Jeremy Piven's portrayal of Hollywood super agent Ari Gold, Which, who is this asshole. I just want to throw out a fun fact. That is not the first time somebody played Ari Gold. Uh, Bob Odenkirk played the, shall we say, the uh, Ari Gold himself is based on a real-life agent yeah. in mm-hmm. Hollywood. But the first person to play that agent in a uh, comedy was Bob Odenkirk when he played Larry Sanders' manager in oh. The Larry Sanders Show, which oh. is, was a huge influence on Entourage when it comes to the blending of like reality and pseudo-Hollywood. Uh, and that's pretty much what the show is about. Over the years, it's about Vincent Chase's struggles through Hollywood and ups and struggles. downs. Well... Yeah. He's got the struggles, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. there are a couple times big. where... Yeah, for the most part, they're like... Like that one episode where... Full was, house struggles. Like where he wasn't going to do the movie. Yeah. But then they were like, no, you got to do the movie. And then he does at the and end. And then he does it. And again. everyone's happy because oh, they make man. money. And then the season ends and then they do it again. So... White privilege. What? So, two-part question. If you Three are not answer. a person who's watched the show and you watch the movie, are you just going to take nothing from it? And You're is probably going to be very confused because it pretty much just jumps right yeah, in. Yeah, there's a dense mythology surrounding the entourage. <laughs> there's not, but if you don't know anything about the characters, it's not like they lay out this yeah. huge, elaborate um, story for you. I mean, and they, they kind of do, but... And don't they also, like, even not just... Yeah, like, you're right, they don't lay it out, but don't they also kind of, like, retcon certain things that happened toward, yeah. toward the end of the, the series? Yeah, because they set up the entire last season for him to be married, uh, Vince, to be married to uh, Alice Eve's character, and then she's not even involved in the movie. Is that the chick from She's Out of My League? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't even know she was in it. Yeah, she well, wasn't in the movie. But, well, yeah. And she's not a chick. She's a person. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Uh, well, so I guess the other part of my question is if, like, for you, you were a fan of the show. I was. Did you like the movie? Is it accurate? Like, if you were a fan of the show, are you going to be a fan of the movie? I was a fan of the show for the first four seasons. Uh, it was a really good, strong show. And at the end of the fourth season, honestly, it'd be. I have to go to Nick for this because I think there was a brief, like, one to two month time period where this was probably the most popular show on HBO. Yeah, I'm sure it was at some point. Yeah. yeah. It's also one of the best, not best, but the most syndicated HBO, like up there with uh, uh, Sex and the City. Like a lot of their flagship comedies from like a decade ago do really well in syndication packages. Uh, although it's weird because even more so than Sex and the City, it's weird to like watch Entourage edited. And, yeah, it's not uh, good. Yeah, it's so. 
Because yes, there's a lot of excessive nudity with only women, believe it or not. No, but at, at least in the first few seasons, it was definitely one of the most – like, despite the fact that his popularity grew, I would say, like, its cultural heyday as to what it meant to the television landscape and all that was uh, pretty big in the first at least two seasons. Well, and because it really did a nice job of blending the narrative of the story with real-life people, although the real-life people, although they were playing themselves, for the most part, they were playing caricatures of themselves, yeah. like Gary Busey, who was a yeah. recurring character as Gary Busey on the show. I have to admit, it's probably a reason why I never truly got into Entourage, even in like the, the early years. Because it could never, uh, could never live up to the Larry Sanders show? No, it cannot. I mean, it's, it's not so much that one is better than the other, even if I have an opinion on that. It's just <laughs> like I did see that on HBO, you know, just years before. Yeah. So. It was doing something somewhat different, but to really answer the, the listeners, uh, Brian's sort of you know sending that along and pretty much saying this was a bad movie because it, it really was not a very good movie at all. There were a couple funny lines in it that I laughed at in the theater. There were a couple good cameos. There were a couple ones that made absolute no sense, like Warren Buffett had a cameo in the movie. Oh, man. Andrade audiences eat up Warren Buffett Dude, appearances. Warren Buffett riding in a golf cart, talking with Ari while he's walking. Oh, all man. Of, I was waiting for the, that one. It's all about the Benjamins. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and the movie just lacked a lot of things that made the series, at least the early episodes, fun. For one thing... Uh, it was a 22-minute episode, which, yeah. for the most part, every week, that was, like, sort of 22 minutes. They had episodes that were 19 minutes long, so they were very short episodes. Yep. And you move that into an hour and 45-minute full-length movie. And you just had more awesomeness. No, it's it just did not. It just didn't mesh. Uh, Doug Allen, the creator of the show really had no reason to create this movie other than this sounds like fun and it wasn't well he really wanted to portray reality i think well he's uh, fucking, according to his interviews he's his reality fucking out of out of uh this movie can't be misogynistic because it's based on real life uh, well, according to him that's fine the whole series is which misogynistic, only further so. highlights a much worse point than he doesn't realize he's actually making yeah. <laughs> That's fine. But yeah, it was just not that great of a movie. I, I don't know if I would agree with what the review you read said, because it sounds like the the person who wrote the review has not watched a lot of episodes of the show. But um, at the same time, yeah, the movie just was not that good. And I don't, I haven't found anybody who like really thought it was a really good movie because it just wasn't. So I would not recommend it. I would recommend, however, watching early parts of the show, early seasons, like the first three or four are really good. I'm not a fan of the show, but I really do like the, the Sundance episode. Of I, course you do. I do, yeah. But, Shocking. But not just because of the subject, but because it was during its early days, so it was still a decent watch. Well, and they had, they had like, James Cameron yeah, like that on was, that episode. Yeah. It was a great mix of just, like portraying something that I'm really interested in, like the indie circuit, but also getting those heavy hitter cameras. Of course, that's the episode where uh, Drama and Turtle double-team a girl in the cross swords, and they, yeah. they were really, really upset about it because their wieners touched. Yep. That's right. Yeah, you didn't know that? No. Oh, just <laughs> I've never seen this show before. <laughs> the more you talk about it, the more I don't want to watch it. Oh, well. <laughs> Kind of like this review. It's how it made me feel. <laughs> God. So, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, Brian, thanks for sending that in, and feel free to send more in the future and send in if he has like reviews and I think we'd love to hear what he like really feels because I know yeah. he's listened to a lot of our episodes. So yeah. uh, for sure. Um, Toussaint, I know we have another it's from a while ago. So yeah. We say, apologize. This, this dates all the way back to the Prometheus episode, yeah. which is like episode six for us. Yeah. yeah. We're sorry. Around there. 
Uh, we were compiling them for this listener mailbag. Hopefully you're still listening. Segment. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, this comes from Paul Smith. And oh, well, maybe it's a lot of these Smiths brother, running yeah. around. Yeah. I'm starting to think these are fake names. <laughs> uh, it goes, hey, I have a question inspired by something Tucson. Oh, me and Kenny were talking <laughs> about during this episode. Okay, he'll get there. Kenny said, and Tucson agreed, citing Prometheus as an example, that sometimes when you watch a film, you can't overthink it. You just sort of have to sit back and enjoy. I'm wondering, where do you all draw that line? I'm definitely in favor of loving a film for what it is, but at what point do you kind of demand a little more from what you're watching in order to consider it a good piece of media? Really enjoy the show, by the way. Paul. Thank you, Paul. That's a damn good question, actually. Entourage is where I draw the line. (laughs) Uh, If I could answer really quickly, though, Jurassic World would be a good example of a movie that I know it's all ridiculous. And also, the the story, for the most part, wasn't that great with Jurassic World, but I loved it. I mean... It, they just it was something about the movie that just made me really enjoy it. Maybe it's the fact that I had historically low expectations for it, but I just was able to turn my brain off. And maybe another big part of that is uh, continuing series that are happening. That you, if you are like, let's say Star Wars, some people were able to turn their brains off for some of those early yeah. episodes that weren't the that good. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's, that's at least the way I feel about it. What about, uh, what about you guys? For me, it comes down to one thing, which is self-awareness. Like if I'm watching a film and I don't get the, the feeling that the film understands its place in cinema, yeah. at least to a certain extent. I mean, that's why I do eat up like movies like the, like the fast and the furious franchise. Like those are not good movies. But they know they are, exactly what they are. Exactly. And so like when I watch a movie like that and you see the rock, break out of his cast by just flexing it's like i can't watch that and not think that like those kind of movies aren't taking themselves too seriously and that they do know what they're doing and that they're just having a lot of fun but on the flip side of that like speaking of like prometheus you know like there are certain films that i'll even admit that i'm guilty of like thinking it's just stupid like prometheus and yet because at least in there in that movie i would say like the technical achievement of that just kind of gets me through it all because it's uh, something i haven't quite seen in other movies so it all kind of comes down to like when it's on the flip side of the coin of something that's really bad as long as it knows that it's bad that's really all i need at least all i need to feel on the other side if it's something that is at least doing something i haven't seen before that's usually enough for me to at least go along with it so you're saying as long as films aren't pretentious, they're they're okay. Yeah, or if, yeah, and if they're pretentious, then they need to back it up with like. I mean, my favorite movie is Magnolia, which I think is hugely pretentious. <laughs> but, no, I do, yeah. but I love that movie because I also you know I respond to it. But yeah, as long as um, uh, a movie is self aware of like what it's doing and what it's trying to achieve, then usually I'm pretty much uh, on. Unless it's uh, yeah, because if it's horribly self aware and like doesn't actually realize that it's a giant piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> And I'm just sitting there completely like on the a different wavelength. That's when it gets uncomfortable because then I'm like, okay, you made this and yet you think it's this. And now I'm watching something that's completely different. And therefore, I can't even connect with what you're putting out. So, I mean, that's what, yeah, for me, is self-awareness. I totally respond to you on the, the point of self-awareness. Another point I think is um, if I'm just watching a film, I think it's just general like fan service. Like the one example of a, a movie that I consciously turn my brain off in order to watch it and I'm able to enjoy it in that way is Pacific Rim. Yeah. Like it's it's watching it in the theater, it's it's such a 
It's so dumb. It's so very, very dumb. Even the parts that are supposed to be cool, like in the trailer with like Idris Elba making his whole like cancel the apocalypse <laughs> speech. Like it's so limp yeah. in the actual film. But I'm just there to watch like people like pilot giant robots with their minds and beat the shit out of kaiju. And I'm not even a fan of that movie. Yeah. To be honest, like that's a movie I can't turn my brain off. But one thing I'll back you up on is that's an example of uh, I would say like the art design and the production design mm-hmm. where it, like that at least got me through that movie because right. that's one of the best looking movies of the past uh, few years as far as what it does with colors. And, and, and it also incorporated like practical special effects, yeah. especially with the uh, with the helmet uh, cockpit of the actual like like robots, I, I remember having like a like a a, a uh, well spirited argument with my friend after we went to go see it in the, the the parking lot or whatever. We were just like talking about it, and it was like, dude, this robot's name is Gypsy Danger, and they misspelled Gypsy. Okay, <laughs> like Terminator Genesis. Yeah, God, I don't want to talk about that. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's definitely where I, I draw the line. It's like not just with self awareness, but also if I have a personal investment in it. And you yeah. talked about fan service in Jurassic World. The last like thirty minute glorious scene is yeah. just like the biggest pile yeah. of fan service yeah. you've ever seen. In Once the movie. their like car breaks down, it becomes like a a tunnel, like the Willy Wonka tunnel of like Jurassic Park history. Mm-hmm. Well, I was gonna say once that like the gates start slowly creeping up and the original T Rex come out, and I was like, all right, you know what? They don't give a shit. And that's totally fine. Yeah. So is that kind of what you're saying? You were kind of able to do that with Pacific Rim. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Kenny? Uh, well, I guess for me, when I look back at all my, I guess what I would consider more, more of my favorite movies, they're all movies that transport me to somewhere that's just not real. So I guess more like a sci-fi kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's normally, I, I don't know, it's kind of funny. I've, I've said this on the show before, like I consider myself to be a lot more of just a uh, like a like a typical fan like when i think about this show honestly the way i look at this show and the way that we all fit on it i i look at it as three critics and a, and a movie fan <laughs> like you guys are really good about being critical of movies and dissecting things and and you know the inner workings of how movies are put together and that's just not me like i i but when you say you like like fantasy sci-fi does that mean like if it's doing something like that then you're that's what pretty much prompts you to just kind of give in no matter what. Yeah, but yeah. But, but there's a like a line like because it just like depends on what you like, right? Because you wouldn't like something like Battlefield would you, Earth or something. Like would that. you say like the <laughs> the more immersive the film is, like when it like creates a whole new world compared to something like like the RoboCop remake, which is sci-fi but pretty like you know there's only like a few concepts that don't you know translate to the real world we like, didn't do that film any favors by watching the original back well, to yeah. back with it but though. i'm just saying as far as like do you, do you are you a fan the, of like things like like the lord of the rings or that as, kind of as stuff? long as it immerses me and it keeps my interest i mean once i start losing interest and i'm not fully immersed in in whatever world this movie's taking place and that's when i'll start you know trying to pick things apart and yeah. losing it and it's it's really like a lot of the times even when we do movies on this show that I'm watching for the first time like that that's a chore for me to have to like sit there and pick things apart so it's kind of tough for me to to say where I draw the line because yeah. I never really have too often it's just more or less I you you'd be hard pressed to find many movies Alex you can 
attest to this. Like, you'd be hard pressed to find many movies that I don't like. Just because I'm a I'm a pretty like forgiving Birdman. person. Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Kenny gave Birdman three out of five. Yeah. So that's a, a lot of people I, gave it I, yeah, a lot less. I think uh Bird, Birdman for this show's sake has been more of a running joke. I probably yeah. I'm I don't hate that movie nearly as much as I say. <laughs> although, although fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So basically so, what you're saying is you have no line. I, I really Which is not a bad thing. I really I mean, don't which which says a lot. If if yeah. I don't like a movie, you've really fucking <laughs> you've put a pile of shit out there. If if, you, <laughs> if you've crossed my line, then then you've done something wrong because I don't even know where my line is. To be honest, <laughs> I'm a very forgiving, positive person. Yeah, well, you, you weren't a huge fan of Chappie, and that was a definitely a, a different world. Well, that's because yeah. he's a normal, insane person. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, uh, you had one more question that we uh, wanted to. You're uh, you have a friend, or yeah. you know someone who's who's a big horror movie fan, correct? Yeah, my buddy Josh. He's uh, one of the guys from our uh, our friends over at the In the Loop podcast. Oh, okay. He, um, yeah. He's a big horror fan, and he's been kind of bugging me about covering more horror stuff, which we will in due time. I have absolutely no issue with, but uh, it is only June, and not everybody loves horror. We're planning on doing a solo episode come October. I was going to say we're uh, out of the October. We're probably going to do like. Three out of the, of the four weeks are going to have horror movie episodes, yeah, which, so which will be fun. Well, yeah. I I see where he's coming from only because I like like him. I'm, I love horror movies, yeah. and I could talk horror anytime and be totally happy about it. Um, he's particularly I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's particularly excited about Freddy vs Jason because, like myself, he's a huge theme park guy, and that that's one of the big attractions that was confirmed already for uh, Halloween Horror Nights down at Universal. Oh, okay. So. So he's he's pretty pumped I up about that. Like a new movie. There's a there's no. another Freddy vs. Oh, Jason. No, that's what, what that he I, said. He's no, excited no. for the oh, new. God. And I'm like, oh wow, no, another they're, one. They're just going to do okay. a Freddy vs. Jason haunt down there. Which gotcha. whatever, like that's cool. Looking back at the movie, I it's been some time. I know Alex, you and I saw it in the theater. Did um, like eleven years ago. Yeah, like that that was a huge high school thing. Like I remember we went with like a whole boatload of people there yeah we huge... had those the summer after we all turned 17s we were all able to get in the Dude, theater that, to see it that was the like we were the <laughs> we were the target they were going for the, the freddy versus jason thing you know those are two icons that are just so huge when it comes to horror movies that you would you would think that nothing but good could come of that but i i went back i saw parts of the movie not too long maybe a couple of years ago and it just it didn't I'm not saying I loved it when we saw it in the theater, but I, I don't remember not liking it as much as I did when I watched it again. It was just, uh, I don't know. It had weird. a great soundtrack. Well, that's what <laughs> I was going to say. Back, back when we saw it originally, I was like huge into, you know, I was playing in bands and yeah. stuff, and I loved heavy metal and shit like that, which the soundtrack was amazing. And I would go out on them and say that was still by a mile the best part of the movie. But <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I actually would like to go back and rewatch this movie and see if I actually did dislike it as much as as I feel like I do. Um, what, what do you remember of it? Because I know Freddy, the, like the the city, the town's trying to cover up Freddy Krueger, and so he's trying to make a comeback. And in doing so, he's he's he basically recruits Jason from hell to to come back to this town to start killing people because he wants to like evoke the fear in them. What what, what, what the I remember fuck? about this this movie, <laughs> yeah, right? I've never it, seen any of these. Evoke yeah. the fear. Um, by the end, you didn't see the uh, Jason in space movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, is that Jason X? Yes. Oh, okay. Don't don't go see it. Please yeah. don't. You're only making me want to see it more. No, I'm not. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. Um, th- this movie, Freddy vs. Jason, made Jason out to be like a hero by the end of it, which was really odd. Aww. Yeah, he was like a protagonist towards the end of this movie because he's being he's tormented. Well, whatever. All these fucking horror monsters are, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, Freddy, uh, something that for me was, first of all, Freddy Krueger is like an 80s horror person and he was way out of his element in 2004. He, it, and he, but the problem was, was that when they wrote the film for him, he was also doing the same kind of humor and jokes, and it just made no sense in that context. Yeah. And he also had one really, which was actually the funniest line of the entire movie, because wasn't Naomi Campbell, or, or there was an African-American well, actress Ke- who... Kelly Rowland from Destiny's Kelly Child. Kelly Rowland, that's who it was. <laughs> that's who it was. And, wow. too, uh, she is trapped somewhere, and Freddy Krueger comes up to it and says something to the tune of... Ooh, you know I like the dark meat. Just, <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was it, it just it was a very very forgettable horror movie. Unfortunately, and and Josh, I don't I don't I don't know if if you're listening to this, I don't know if you're a fan of this movie or not. Unfortunately, I I feel like for me, I like the thought of Freddy vs. Jason a hell of a lot more than I actually ended up liking the movie. Like I'm all on board for the idea of of putting the two together in a movie, and I'm a hundred percent on board for doing like a Halloween event. But you can't have like have core characters go up against each other. Like it it just doesn't mesh correctly together. That's why I said that's why by the end of the movie, Jason was basically a good character because you have to have somebody yeah. to root for if they're going up against each other. Okay, I have to ask a, a very stupid question, especially considering we're on a film podcast, so I feel like I should <laughs> I, I should already know this, but I've already said it before, but I just don't watch most horror movies. But Okay, uh, just so I get this straight, uh, I'm trying to think. Freddy versus Jason. Freddy... Are they from the same franchise? Are they no. Okay. No. Freddy, Freddy is, is from Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. Okay, so I got that much right. So where is Jason from? Halloween. Friday the 13th. Oh, he's from Friday the 13th. Okay. Because yeah, yeah. Michael Myers is Halloween. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come <laughs> even, on, Tucson. Even you couldn't, the fucking wow. horror person. Yeah. Even I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I just wanted to make sure. So it was two franchises. Yes. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I just I was blanking on it, and I want to clarify. For the most part, those verse movies are yeah. horrible, like Alien vs. Predator. I can't wait for uh, Jigsaw versus Predator. I don't think it's <laughs> How about Billy the Puppet versus Predator? That'd be you, awesome. You joke, but that would be awesome. <laughs> oh, Billy. Oh, Billy. Who, who's the Babadook going to fight? Are we going to put the Babadook against somebody? We the Babadook do. against Billy the Puppet. No. Why don't, I think that's what we should Who do. Who the fuck is Billy the Puppet? Uh, it's, it's from the, Saw. The, the puppet from the Saw. Freddy oh, versus shit. Babadook. I think, oh, I think okay. this Halloween we should do some kind of like March Madness style bracket of like all these villains. Fuck. It's we'll actually a legit we'll just idea. Ask, we'll just ask our audience who would win in a Holy fight. Holy shit. We should do that, all right? Yeah. So you heard wow. it here first. That's what we're doing in October. Josh, there you go, buddy. There, a yeah. That's Thank a you very much, Josh. <laughs> Fuck me. That's a great idea. Anytime. Now we just need to get people to vote on it. Well, by October, I'm sure we'll have at least a million downloads per <laughs> listen. So. Uh, uh, did you have anything else you want to hit on about Freddy vs. Jason? I, I know remember us walking out of the theater, and this is 11 years ago, but I remember us walking yeah. out of the theater. We were laughing because it is a horror movie that you could giggle at, but it was not a good movie. No, that's that's about all I can remember. Is yeah. kind of like I said. I unfortunately I feel like I like the idea of Freddy vs. Jason a hell of a lot more than I ended up liking the movie. So, yeah, I don't think I'm alone. I think the IMDb uh, rating on this was like 
five something, five point six or whatever. It's really low. Might as well just yeah. give it a five. Yeah, it's, it it's, a five. it's not good. There's no so. point anything. It's uh, yeah, it's just not that good of a, a movie. And honestly, two thousand four horror movies were in a really awful place. That was not a good time for horror. Horror had its heyday in the eighties and the early nineties, and then it just really struggled. There were. In, especially in terms of independent horror movies, it's really starting to make a comeback. Well, The Ring was what two thousand two, two thousand three. I mean, there there were always I popular love horror the movies. The Ring, that movie, that's one of my favorites, and I think that what was that fucking terrible movie that came out of that? The Grudge. Oh god! <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! What a people, bad movie people that was. Only went to go well, see that the was Grudge a remake. They were like. They they only went to go see the Grudge because like oh yeah the Ring I remember that that was good it's kind of like that what was the let me see if I can get this right was it. Was that the sound? That the yeah. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. But but now... Obviously, the best horror film of the the last decade or so was easily uh, Boogeyman with Barry Watson. <laughs> <laughs> never even heard of that. You've so. never... Oh, man. Wait a minute. Weird, I think I saw that in the theater. Yeah. Oh, weirdly enough, shit. for somebody like myself who does not like horror film, I saw way too many horror films in the theater. And I'm talking like really shitty ones. Like uh, you just said earlier, Alex, about how Freddy vs. Jason was like the first one you guys got to see after you turned 17. Yeah. After I turned 17, this will show you the age difference between me and Alex. Uh, the one that we all got to see was Untraceable with Colin Hanks and um, <laughs> I think uh, – was it – no, it wasn't Jodie Foss. I think it – Diane Keaton. No, Ooh. not Diane Keaton. Now I'm gonna blank on whatever uh, her name was, but I'm gonna look it up. But that 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 horrible movie, which was like supposed to be like an attack on like viral videos, me. I remember that. Yeah. I know what you're talking about that. That was my first seven. Uh, you know, just turned seventeen, got to buy my own ticket, rated R horror. I, film. I think that was around the time when uh, One Miss Call came out, and I remember wanting to go Ooh. see that just because like I like the the creepy design of the poster and of the titular. Diane Lane was that. Uh, that's who I was trying to oh, think okay. of. Yeah, Diane Lane. But uh, yeah, that Nobody was not a good film at all. It was hilarious though because it was just a guy with a video camera threatening to kill people in front of a uh, uh, in front of a webcam. Well, wow. I think that is a perfect segue into our main review. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty Actually, much the- thematically. Hold that thought for one oh, second. Oh, okay. I've got I've got one really quick story about Boogeyman. Let's hear it. I saw it in the theater. The Barry Watson movie. I don't remember. I, it's I just, a Barry Watson movie. I remember me. it being called Boogeyman, and yes. I don't. That's about all I remember. It was awful, but was. there was one scene in the movie, and this was like a packed theater. It was a Friday night, super suspenseful scene coming up. Everybody's dead silent. Somebody lets out the hugest fart ever. It was <laughs> fucking it was, epic. It was, were you at Charlestown? It was probably no. Me. I was. Uh, <laughs> Because I saw it. I was, up in, I was up in Wisconsin for some reason. Uh, I think I was oh, snowboarding. Makes sense now. I, I, I do was... have a problem with farting in theaters. Like, I just, you know. Well. The silence, it gets me. This, <laughs> this was epic. This dude let it rip hardcore at the most just perfect time. It was hilarious. It totally killed the vibe of the rest of the movie. Everybody else was just checked out. That that theater became a zoo I, I think that was that. partly because of the film, too. Oh, God. <laughs> well, Yeah. I don't know. That, that was glorious, though. That's like my all-time favorite going to see a horror movie story ever. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's your all-time favorite movie no, no. story. I was like, oh, no. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> anyway. You're like, that's when somebody farted when I saw this movie, actually. <laughs> well, that was a great story to end the, yeah, uh, our listener mailbag on. Really strong segment, guys. I liked where our head was. <laughs> At least we got that one good idea about the uh, the horror movie. Yeah. Any- yeah, Josh, get on that shit. Anytime. Josh. You're yeah. gonna force Josh to do it. I'm making Josh do it. Josh, <laughs> do we're it. talking about I, his. <laughs> Josh, if you're listening, we'll take care of it. You just, you just have to vote in it. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely, and other people would 
good to vote because if we only get one vote on every single every single we just won't thing. release the results yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll just you know we'll fudge the numbers a little bit oh, man. so the movie we're talking about today is disney pixar's inside out so riley how was the first day of school fine i guess you guys pick up on that? Sure oh, did. Yeah. Something's wrong. Signal the husband. <clears throat> Uh-oh. She's looking at us. What did she say? Oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What is it, woman? What? I'm Joy. This is sadness. That's anger. What? This is disgust. Uh, and that's fear. <laughs> We're Riley's emotions. These are Riley's memories. They're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. I wanted to maybe hold one. What happened? Sadness. She did something to the memory. Is everything okay? I don't know. Take it back, Joy. Great. Joy, no, wait. The core memories. Ah! No, 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 no. Can I say that curse word now? We have a major problem. Oh, I wish Joy was here. We can fix this. We just have to get back to headquarters. That's long-term memory. You could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in there. What was that? Was it a bear? There are no bears in San Francisco. I saw a really hairy guy. He looked like a bear. This place is huge. Imagination land? No way. Dream Productions? Rainbow Unicorn. She's right there. I loved you in Fairy Dream Adventure Part 7. Okay, bye. I love you. You can't focus on what's going wrong. There's always a way to turn things around. It's Broccoli. Congratulations, San Francisco. You've ruined pizza. This movie starred a whole lot of people, actually, including Amy Poehler, Bill Ooh. Hader, Louis Black, Mindy Kaling, Kaling. Kaling uh, Phyllis Smith, who was great as Sadness, yep. <laughs> also Richard Kind, uh, Kyle MacLachlan, and um, Diane Lane played the uh, the mother character. Uh-huh. So there you go. That's She's a little step connection. up from uh, Untraceable. Yeah, seriously, though. That's... but. Um, th- those were the main characters, and there's a couple other people who were in the in the film that I will uh, mention a little bit later uh, in in the episode. This uh, movie, I uh, hope you've seen it because we're going to talk a lot about it, uh, is about a young uh, girl named Riley who moves from her Midwest life to San Francisco, where her emotions, which include joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness, conflict on how best to navigate the new city, the new house, and a new school. So this film is basically about emotions because Nick, as you mentioned to me when we were when we just finished watching this movie, this movie really isn't about the main character, which is uh, her name is Riley. It's about her emotions and how they get through the day. Um, and this is just a very interesting and I, I won't say different, but it's it's a definitely a, had a different 
tone to it than some of the other Pixar films have had in terms of how the story was structured. Not in terms of like the actual yeah. tone, yeah. but in terms of story structure, in terms of not just Pixar movies, but actual like all films. There was a lot more peril, I think, involved as far as getting getting from like point A to point B. Type well, thing. and just going from like a three act structure with a protagonist antagonist. This is a film that definitely goes a different way than other yeah. mainstream films go. So, Nick, why don't we start with you and uh, hear your thoughts on Inside Out? I have, like, nothing else to say other than I lopped this film. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I fucking hate hey. that shit. Oh, man, I had to do it. Nice work. Nice work. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, do you, do, actually, really quick, do we want to actually talk about that? Really yeah, quickly? why don't we talk about that first? Because no. I feel like we... No. Tucson. No. We're going to talk about no. it. Fucking sadness. Uh, shut up over there. Yeah, <laughs> what the hell? Uh, Lava, the, the Pixar short that sh- uh, screened before, uh, I would think every screening, although I, I feel like I read one or two tweets that said Lava didn't screen before their film. I don't know what, maybe they're, they're so at like a, a dinner theater. Tucson. <laughs> I am talking. How okay. can you hate it so much? Um, ukulele, for this God's is sake. one of the, the most bizarre yeah. Pixar shorts I've ever seen. And I say that as somebody who actually loved it. Uh, I, I kind of do have an, uh, an affection for just any kind of like musical kind of that kind of moment. Like, I, I love folk music, so the fact that this was basically just a Hawaiian folk music video, like, I kind of dug it because I thought it was catchy or whatever. But I completely understand why anybody would hate it because this is the most fucked up thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It, you literally have a male volcano that looks like the baby dinosaur from the Jim Henson sitcom Dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was just waiting for him to say, not the mama, not the mama. <laughs> but, um, and fall in love with a female... Uh, <laughs> Uh, volcano, which is yeah, it's just as fucked up as I'm describing it. Uh, and also, apparently, the gender difference here. And I mentioned this to Son. Apparently, we female uh, volcanoes have to be slender and uh, shall we say seductive. But once again, the males can be chubby as fuck. So, but, but I somehow still cared about these ridiculously stupid sentient volcanoes, even when he was drowning himself in his own tears. It was a couple of awkward volcanic erections, basically, that just kind of <laughs> were singing to each other and fell I mean, in love with each other. I, as much as you hate it, it really... No, I didn't hate it. No, not I, you. I loved it. I'm looking at the other two people yeah. at this podcast, because as much as you hate it, this, Debbie is, Downers. this is within Pixar's wheelhouse, which, like, their whole MO is to personify things that you never thought had, right. uh, you know, inner workings and uh, emotions. So, now, of course, if the execution didn't work for you, it didn't work. But this isn't, I would say, a stretch for Pixar. Okay, Nick, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Nick, you and Alice can... Uh, can, can attest to this when we were in a the theater that I totally lost my shit at the point when you the, lose your shit at a lot of things so I can never tell with you what anyway I really really lost my shit at the point when the female volcano finally came up and it was just like pointed the other way and the the male volcano was like sinking into the ocean it was like wouldn't it be so awesome if, dude if it, it actually been. oh my god if it just <laughs> ended there and that's what I said yeah no I, I if it did end there that would have been the best film of 2015 hands down <laughs> but as uh, it, since it did go one scene further and had to set these two crazy kids up uh <laughs> <laughs> then it, it it settles for being only moderately interesting and somewhat entertaining, but uh, it, it felt like uh, Pixar mailed that one in. At least, really? the, I mean, oh, some yeah. of the, like oh, really? I, oh, I didn't see that. The, the animation alone oh, was no, the, the fucking an, breathtaking. The, the animation was, ter- especially okay. when like the day and night yeah. sort of time. Was lapse one, was yes, I was gonna say for for an animation film alone, like that was one of the best time lapse scenes I've ever seen in like any cinema. Like, I mean, that was just gorgeous. That was great. However. 
Um, I will disagree with you that I thought the song was not that great. And well, it's annoying. It, it starts oh, grinding on your nerves after well, minute six. Well, it starts grinding on your nerves, and I've only listened to it all the way through one time. And Nicholas, you do not have to play it for do us it. right now. Do right, it. I'll put my phone down. Yeah, I was going to say, don't play the whole eight-minute song all the way through. We don't have time for that. I Nazi host No, but the the song, If you if, when I was listening to it and listening to the lyrics of it, it made I almost no sense you. through most of the song. How does it not make sense? They, all they did was replace the word love with lava. There it should other, not be that hard to comprehend. I, I get that that part was. There were other parts I of the I can song. draw you a chart after the episode. <laughs> really that that was warranted, here. Alex. That was warranted. <laughs> but actually it wasn't if you actually listen to the song. But some of us don't care about lyrics anymore, so that's fine. Ooh. Ooh. What, me? Yeah, you. What do you mean? I loved it. Yeah, you did, and you are a big fan of lyrics and un- songs usually, and of folk songs. And this song, for a lot of lyrics, made absolute no sense. So, well, yeah. I'm sorry. I guess you just don't believe in love or lava, lava. or lava. Tucson, what was what were your uh, your hatreds for this? Because uh, you have expressed that you were not a fan. Wait, I, are we solely fucking reviewing this? No, no, we, no, we got to talk about this though. Yeah, because well, I was going to say, what you think about Inside but, Out? No, no, no. <laughs> we'll get to that. But honestly, on my like Twitter timeline and whatnot, I've literally I've seen yeah. more talk about lava than I have about Inside Out. So I do think it needs to be it's addressed really unfortunate. in full. And Tucson has not got a chance yet. Yeah, so let's give, him a, just, give him the floor real quick. It's just so overly saccharine, and I hated the song. I thought it went on way too long, and I was like, you know. I get the sentiment, but it's just like it, it, it's like they 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 had like a brainstorming meeting. It's like, okay, does anyone have any smart ideas for a new short in front of like Inside Out? No. Okay, does anybody have any desperate ideas for a short before Inside Out? Why would they ask for desperate ideas? Because they didn't have any ideas, and it's like, okay. well, it was pretty clear that okay, they probably spent so, a year on so this. So, me and my wife, we went to uh, Hawaii. Um, we could do a skit where a volcano has to fall in love with another volcano, but then there's put apart but then they come back together again okay you're just making me cry all over again <laughs> it was like fuck it let's do it <laughs> i was like yeah i don't, I don't know I, I just thought it was dumb i, I thought it was great only because of the fact that it didn't try to stretch beyond its means i mean the fact that it was just a music video at the end like you know like that's all it was was it was just images paired with a song that somebody else wrote like that's why it worked for me it's not like it was actually like a like we we joke and we say it's a sentient volcano, but it's not like it was like sitting there going, "Oh, oh, oh it's what a beautiful day it is," you know, and like trying to actually make us like believe in this, you know, whatever. The I thought its minimalism was actually what saved it. It's not anywhere near my favorite like Pixar short or whatever, but the fact that people are hating it, it just it. If anything, it just delights me because I just think it's so inoffensive that it's, yeah, it's surprising it's, that people are... It's kind are, of mind-boggling to me yeah. how upset people are getting yeah. over. Like, I'm upset. Like, I just thought like it, it, had are, a, like, it had a fucking ukulele, first people, of all. How do you hate that? Yeah, how could you be mad at a ukulele? It's just so happy-sounding. I just like... I hear people talk about what this short supposedly did to them, and it, you would think that they were violated somehow. Okay, it's Twitter. I, it's Twitter. I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't desperately vilely hate it. I didn't enjoy it, and it yeah, wasn't yeah. my favorite. I'm not talking about either anybody on this podcast. I mean, it it did carry on. Like at a certain point, I was like, "Holy crap! How many times are they going to repeat it?" Some of the better, some of the some of the better Pixar shorts. The one that always comes to mind to me is the Paper Man. Um, Those always, to me, at least, somewhat involve really simple things happening. And this was just a volcano falling in love. I know, but it was a volcano. It was a volcano where the shorts usually involve either characters from previous 
films or if they see, involve I will admit, people. that's one thing I don't like. I don't like uh, when these shorts, I'm way more, maybe that's kind of why I dug it. I'm way more when like these Pixar shorts don't get into the whole cross-promotion and like all of a sudden Buzz shows up and Frozen Fever, yeah, like that kind of stuff. Like, when, when, at least as much as uh, this is nowhere near like some kind of like perfect short or anything like that. But at least it was something I truly have not seen before and entertained me for five minutes. Like sometimes I watch a Pixar short and I'm like, when is the film going to start? I didn't necessarily think that about this for better or for worse because I admit that even when this short started, I was cracking up because it's so it's so bizarre. But by the halfway point, I'll admit that it kind of worked a spell on me. It, all right, well, let's talk about the actual film, uh, okay. Inside Out. And, uh, Nick, why don't you start us off and uh, say what you thought about yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, no, Inside Out, I mean, I love this film. I, <laughs> no, it, um, this is probably my favorite thing Pixar has done since Wally, for sure. Maybe since uh, Toy Story 2. I mean, this is just one of the most spectacular films to come out in quite some time. Uh, this is just like Pixar in a nutshell for me, like as far as what they're good at and what they uh, tend to do. This whole, we get to see like a backstage look at uh, a previously kind of unseen uh, environment is just exactly what Pixar does best, whether they're looking at like toys that come to life when kids aren't around or uh, the monsters, uh, you know, in uh, people's closets and all that kind of stuff. Now we, we have something that takes that mentality but applies it to something even way more personal and like commonplace, which is, you know, our own emotion. It's just just listening to that idea is just one of the most genius things I've heard that Pixar was going to do. And then, sure enough, we I went and saw the movie, and it it lived up to that. It was it was as good as it could have been, and it's definitely the Pixar that I fell in love with when Pixar was going through uh, its heyday and whatnot. So I absolutely love this film. I thought it was one of the funniest Pixar films. and Definitely, by a long um, mile. Like, maybe since the Toy Story movies. I mean, these jokes were pretty much, I would say, like, almost rapid fire. I, mean, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, Amy Poehler's performance as Joy. Her, and as it should be, relentless attitude was just honestly hilarious, whether it was bouncing off of Phyllis, uh, Phyllis Smith's uh, sadness uh, who is fantastic as well. It might have stole the movie for me. I mean, some of those scenes when uh, she like lays on the ground and wants uh, Joy to like literally drag her around. I, I like later in the film after that has already been happening and she just lays on the ground and Joy walks back and all of a sudden you just see this foot rise up like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Didn't expecting of this a little bit sadness. It literally, and it's like what you're describing, is like the film itself like sets up its own kind of running jokes even before the film is over with. And not only that, but even jokes that weren't even even that hilarious to begin with, even though we're definitely amusing, end up paying off too. I mean, the whole idea that sadness keeps like touching the uh, the joy memories, like <laughs> that literally does pay off as a plot device toward the end. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I mean about I, I absolutely love this film. Is that I thought the script was incredibly tight. There was uh, there were so many moments of this film that I I thought was fantastic when uh, when I started to think that it wasn't really like talking down to children, but rather talking at them and uh, like. For example, the, when they go through the abstract uh, concept. Yeah, uh, the when, abstract thought. Yeah. Yeah. When, when they were going through that, like, I thought that was fantastic because that's the kind of thing that a kid is not really going to be able to intellectualize the same way that we are, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, but that's still the kind of adult joke that works because it's just weird and yet exciting enough for a kid to kind of, like, go along with the motion. That's the, the kind of caliber of a joke that I would expect from something like Futurama, which is more yeah. about, like, retooling 
like really high level concepts into something that's like yeah. punchy. Yeah, between that and um, the. Uh, the, the dreams that I love that like where basically dreams are like a Hollywood production type thing like there were so many moments and I'm going to pass it off very quickly but there were so many moments in this film that like when we got to a certain point because uh, we kept exploring more and more of this 11 uh, year old Riley's mind that I just kept getting continually blown away about like oh that's how they brought this part to life and that's how they brought this part to life so this is the kind of film and this is probably the highest compliment I can pay it but this is the kind of film that I wish was around when I was a child. Not because I would even get as much out of it uh, as I would today, but this is the kind of film I wish I could just you know, grow into. Like I would, I would assume that I would love it back, you know, back then, and I would grow to love it even more the more I watch it. Absolutely, and it, it's just fantastic. So, what did you guys think? Um, I, I definitely thought this was one of Pixar's best outings in quite a long time, um, and. I will go even a step further saying it's my second favorite Pixar film behind Toy Story. This was a wonderful, wonderful film. And I think something that is so great about it is that it's really able to sort of marry what it's talking about and the content of the film. Because if you really think about it, the two main characters in this film are joy and sadness. And really the two main feelings that the audience gets during this film are joy from laughing and sadness because there are lots of sad parts of this film. Yeah. Uh, and Bing Bong. <laughs> well, Bing, but Bing Wong is, is exactly what I'm talking about though, because he represents the high of joy and the low of sadness. But the other great thing that this movie does, which is something that I feel like is even a little bit higher than on the concept chart than usually Pixar goes for is it really makes a decision at the end of the film saying that you really can't be happy in life without being sad at some point. Yes. And um, I I think it's pretty, not ballsy, I'll say, but for Pixar, who they've never been like afraid of doing things, but for them to kind of make a statement like that, which is for sure an actual thing for real life, so they should be able to. But at the same time... It's a hard sell to kids. Well, this was, for me at least, by far, the biggest um, Pixar film that was made for adults more than children. Like, adults got way more out of this than kids would, in my opinion. For me, this, what you're talking about, is kind of, this was everything, and I'm going to say something blasphemous to a lot of people that might be listening, but this is everything I wanted Up to be, Mm -hmm. because that's a film that does deal with a lot of adult issues and uh, adult things, but it turned into a very high-concept epic adventure where a uh, an unnamed villain swoops in and you know threatens to kind of ruin the day or whatever. But this never ever strays from the idea that the only sh- thing that could get in the way is Riley's own emotions because mm-hmm. of the literal concept itself. So that's why I love that Pixar did not, I would say, cop out even by the end and somehow introduce some kind of like, oh well, the clown from the nightmare sequence got out and now he's threatening to ruin my you know Riley's day or something. Something like that. That made me very happy. The clown, the clown. No, situation. that was a that was a great sequence. But yeah. the fact that everybody had its own place and nobody kind of like overstayed their welcome. It or, served its purpose, yes. and then it. But but that was almost the message of yeah. the entire film. But just quickly finishing the point that I was I was making about the sadness and and happiness you needing both yeah. to live an adult life. I, I just thought was an, an incredible message for Pixar to send to children who are possibly seeing the film. And two, that they, they showed that with the character Bing Bong, where this character is over-the-top happy through the first part of the film, then he's 
very sad, and then he makes a decision where he is happy but sad at the same time as unfortunately he he dies. Yeah, but he has a very bittersweet end. Yeah, yep. but but I I just feel like the way that this movie was done and the way that it its sad moments were actually like legitimately sad. Like yeah. my wife was crying during the movie at oh, certain no. points. I actually felt really. I mean, I wasn't crying, but I felt sad during certain parts of this movie. I it, was for sure. It did those parts very well, and as you mentioned already, Nicholas. I keep calling you that. I'm sorry. It's your name, though, so I kind of. I was gonna say it's not like it's not my name. <laughs> <laughs> um, the there were so many funny parts of this movie. They did have one uh, part that if you haven't seen the uh, the Jack Nicholson Chinatown film, you will have no idea oh what this was God, a reference I've lost to. Lost my shit. But for some reason, they had a reference to the movie yeah. Chinatown in this movie, which I mean, there's always been references to older. Films I know, but it's it, films. It, it seems so out of place at the at the moment because it was towards the end of the film too, yeah. and it just seems so. Odd. It comes at the least uh, the time that you would least expect a joke like that because it was almost trying to like get to its climax. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, they just stop and they're like, "Forget it, Cloud. It's it's uh, or no, forget it, Jake. It's Cloud Town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's Cloud Town. And, yeah. and I know there were a lot of things in this movie that were humor that's that I know. That's what that shit was talking about. Yeah. I have yeah. no fucking idea. You, yeah, should, yeah, yeah. you should watch Chinatown. I was really lost. Good. I was yeah. lost. Yeah, well, the, if you, again, if you haven't seen Chinatown, you'll have no fucking yeah, idea. Yeah, I, I assumed it was about. a reference I mean, to something and I was yeah. just like, oh, whatever. But, um, Nick, my favorite line from the whole movie was the uh, the two people who are building the house of cards <laughs> and it gets blown over the second time like, whatever, we're just going to fold. Yeah, that's I just, it. I fold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just love that, and this this movie I can't say enough about. It, it was so good, but I'll, I'll pass it on to Kenny. Uh, yeah, I kind of going right along with you guys. I loved the shit out of this movie. Um, maybe maybe not even as much as you guys or other people. I I know my wife for one said this is definitely like a top ten all time movie for her. She she really liked it. Um, I what I liked most about it was. First of all, it was so creative and unique. Like it was such an original storyline, and I love how they not only portrayed this world of being inside of um, Riley's head and kind of running it from the control panel and everything, but there were worlds inside of the world, and that yeah. was what was so incredible to me. Like it was, you know, like for me, of course, I looked at it like it was its own little mini theme park. Like it had its own yeah. little lands once Literally, they got outside the, of the control center. The personality islands looked like theme parks, right? Like the ones that like family, yeah, and, and, and yeah, they because it's a children's movie, they over oversimplify things. But I felt like Pixar did such a good job actually bringing up real concepts of what right. happens inside mm-hmm. of of your brain. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, like, even, you know, the whole part of the movie where they're trying to catch the train of thought to get back to the control center, and it's, like, making stops at the different areas and everything. And and it doesn't run when you're sleeping. It doesn't run when they're sleeping. It's just, man, it it was incredible to me how they created not only a a very interesting world, but worlds within that world. Like, uh, what was the the creative part of it? Uh, the, The little... Imagination Land. Yeah, the I think imagination. there's Imagination yeah. Land. Which, and... I got to admit, every time I saw, I kept thinking of uh, South Park Imagination Land. Yeah, with, uh, uh, with uh, Kenny and all them, mm-hmm. uh, and so I was waiting for somebody to like, yeah, make a very crude joke. I wish. And and I loved all the. There were like different staff members running things. Yep. Like there were uh, there was like a cleanup crew, and they were like getting rid of old dusty thoughts. Yeah, that, that was one been... of the funniest things. When they're like, "What are these? Oh, these are phone numbers. Oh, well, she doesn't need these. She has right. a cell phone. She's got you know? her phone. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Those Little jokes. Like those jokes were perfect because yeah. they hit on like 
you could relate so much, especially the running joke of the memory they kept sending back of the the song, the catchy song this from one, the though, commercial. This one is gold. I yep. love this yeah. song. Every, every now and then I send it back just to mess with her. Yeah. <laughs> Tried and gun. And then, and then you see her in the next scene. She's... Yep. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. And, and, and the whole the whole part of when everything gets dumped into the, the black hole, the pit, and it's gone forever, like... That that shit's so true. Like you, you have memories of things or or things that you just kind of forget and never come back. I mean, every now and then you'll you'll dust it off and you'll be like, Jesus, I haven't thought of that in forever. In yeah. some ways, and I'm gonna say something another that might be a little more blasphemous, but in some ways, this is a film that, like, throughout the entire uh, time I was watching this, I couldn't help but thinking that this did a much better job at what Inception thought it was doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because this was a film all about, you know, like, the subconscious. Yeah. Well, not just that, but about other things, whatever. And it also was a film that continually laid out exactly, like, what could happen, what can happen. But it also, I would say, like, just made it 20 times more. It's funny you bring that up because Tucson even mentioned it, but on the Inception episode, he said, well, in people's dreams, they have fucking clowns with genitalia. Yes. And and the, the, the dream, there's this huge fucking creep ass yeah. clown in it. Yeah. So. yeah. With but genitalia. Was, Spoiler alert. Yeah. Not, no. It was, it was like a, like it was a, covered a balloon animal um, cage, cage on top yeah. of his belly. And I was just like, they listen. Well, to even me. not just that, but the, the scene I was talking about earlier with the um, the dream that goes wrong and turns into a nightmare, when they accidentally cut, when they don't cut, but the two people who were doing the dog's backside of a dog's head and this reality accidentally filter. separate. Yeah. And so the dream looks like a dog's just cut in half. I mean, like, that's the kind of fucked up shit. And that's something that we're selling to children, not just adults. Like, that I was like, yeah, this is actually fully committing to what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, not only the world with the worlds within the worlds it created, but I just the humor it was so relatable, and the characters were so damn relatable. I felt like what was so great about all the different emotions was no matter who you are watching this movie, you're gonna relate to one of them. Like you're gonna be like, "Oh shit, that's me," or or you know somebody who is that person, and it's just like. These are characters that are just plain emotions. It's it just everything was so damn real in this movie. Well, great casting choices for the emotions, oh, yeah, too. Man. L- Lewis Black, who's been off the map for the last oh, like yeah. four years. He yeah. was just perfect. I was a little worried about that just because I haven't really been a fan of Lewis yeah. Black. But after seeing the film, it's like the most perfect choice ever for that. Well, and Amy Poehler is always kind of bubbly and yep. positive. Bill Hader's just goofy, and mm-hmm. he was kind of the, the fear character. I Lewis love when Black he's... was... Sorry, I, oh, and I was just gonna say, I love when he compiles a list of like what could go wrong on the first day of school, and, <laughs> and something up there with meteor. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it was meteor, and also being called on by the teacher, where like you <laughs> yeah. know the, the equivalent, which is uh, actually how like an eleven year old would think, yeah. as far as like what could be the worst thing in the world. It's like Riley, would you like to stand in the, the front of class and tell us who you are? It's like what right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah. Even um, Phyllis Smith. Um, yeah. She was great. Mostly known from The Office. The office she's like, that's perfect for her because she's always kind of like a ho hum, kind of like, oh, okay. Yep. Like, she's always down in the dumps about shit. And so, I don't know, just perfect casting. Just mm-hmm. perfect. So, Tucson, no, yeah. what did you think? Great. Um, I just want to mention this one joke when you were talking about Imagination Land and about the, the train of thought. The one joke that really sticks out in my mind that I, I really enjoyed. Was they knocked over these boxes and they were yes. they were labeled facts and opinions <laughs> yes. and then Bing Bong was just like oh that's okay they get mixed up all the time so yes. let's gotta put them back in the box yeah. <laughs> it's just like oh so how man. can you tell the difference between the two it's like don't worry people normally can yes. oh yeah. damn. that was fantastic that, that, was, that was amazing that was that was awesome many um, good jabs at society <laughs> definitely. Um, 
this film for me, like I didn't really follow a lot of the the pre-promotional stuff going into it, so I kind of like went in blind. I knew there was going to be like the concepts of like of anthropomorphic like emotions within this girl's head and like helping her like move through that. I didn't know like what the whole premise other than that was going to be, but I really resonated with the with the sentiment of this film, and I think that the purpose of this film is uh, like the, the intent of this film outside of just entertaining people is also teaching children like emotional intelligence, being able to identify like, and a lot of people can complain and, and say that it's like, Oh, it's like just five emotions and stuff. That's not enough to like, do you have like the entire emotional palette? But I think that that wasn't like, like maliciously reductionist in any way. I feel like they really kind of like hammered home that these things can intermingle and, and, and especially for children. I mean, they don't, yeah. they don't have, complex emotions and I, was I, say, I, I think they even mentioned that yeah. later in the film that's why that, the ending is even yeah. better because they acknowledge the idea that no while these are your kind of five i would say not core but your five main uh i would say like the biggest swings in your you know mm -hmm. mood because like all the other emotions like even if you think of something like melancholy that that's a mixture of two that's nostalgia not, yeah like th that's not one that's really just like you're stuck in between so when they when they do things like they upgrade her uh uh console when she becomes a 13 mm -hmm. and, because she's gonna get more uh complex and nuanced and there's the, the, the klaxon like red yeah. um yeah. red red uh light for for puberty when that yes. what's that mean yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> puberty. Oh, man. Second straight uh, Disney Pixar movie that has uh, mentioned puberty. So that's really? something. Well, 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 first. Big Hero 6 was a Pixar movie, oh, really? right? Was yeah. it? Was no, it? it was not. It was, it was not. just the animation. Yeah. Okay, Disney. they mentioned like, puberty in that movie, too. So that's oh, something. Okay. Are you keeping a running total? It's just because it was kind of out of place in that yeah, movie. I was going to say, for a Disney <laughs> movie to like mention that is kind of interesting. But that's also why I hope that there's never a sequel because I can't imagine. I feel like that was the whole point of this ending was to acknowledge that like where Riley and you know every is going is the kind of movie that we can't make for children anymore. I was a little concerned uh, around the beginning just with and and looking back now, I realize it was just kind of like the the setup for the entire arc of the film where you have you have joy and you have sadness and kind of sadness seems like. Is is kind of portrayed as the one emotion just that just cannot absolutely cannot get her shit together. Yeah, absolutely not. You have to stay in this circle because our goal is to keep <laughs> Riley happy, and your very existence is antithetical to that goal. So and you I just like, need to stay here. And I like the way she keeps creeping up too, because like even uh, and that's kind of you know perfect analogy yeah. for sadness. Because even when Joy like thinks that she has it under control and thinks that she's got sadness in her corner, and she starts asking questions, you still see sadness like pop out from the other corners and like answering her questions as if she's still involved, despite the fact that Joy. Obviously, with the water there, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Like, it wasn't just a background joke, but it was also like, a character well, detail. And also, too, when we see the uh, the characters inside the parents' brains and and the teachers as well, <laughs> obviously they are different, but they are much more of a a team that works together. Where Joy was really the leader of the. That was know, the only thing I I was not a fan of, and okay. I say that as somebody who loved this film. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we got into the the parents' brains and. It, not only that, but just when seeing the credits roll and you see everybody else, like I thought that was hysterical. But it was something about the parents' brains that felt way too sitcommy as far as like it was uh 
it was the you know the father not paying attention it was to dinner, and then it was the mother who could have settled for the Brazilian hunk. Like it just kind of reduced what I thought was actually a pretty emotionally nuanced film to the most obvious jokes that you could have possibly gone you for. You didn't like that the father's emotions all had the same mustache. <laughs> well, that was the other thing I want to ask because, and I'm, I'm not trying to nitpick a film, and I genuinely because I loved it but that was the other thing so then why are the parents emotions all gender neutral and why are Riley's like different like you have male and female yeah I noticed that too it was just kind of like why are they so uniformed and hers are actually like in a pretty and I guess I would stop thinking about it no 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 but I'm just saying like Pixar I don't I think Pixar is actually a company that thinks about these things, so they made a choice to deliberately make them the way they are. And just like the way um, I loved when we see the the mother's uh, inner work, and, and you see Sadness is sitting right up there at the council with everybody else. So kind of like that was a great little character detail of showing how like an adult makes room for something like that because Riley, uh, Riley had yet to do that. Yeah, I apologize to the listener who asked us, but there's Nick's line right there. Don't what? Oh, but it's not my line because I, I still love the movie. All the I'm movie crossed is, the line right there. Mostly Gender. all I'm saying is – and I, I really don't care about like what I was just mentioning. Now, I mostly care about the fact that I thought the jokes were too easy and obvious when they were going to the uh, – like the dad was watching sports, which I thought was like very male. Like That's the only reason why but they it, did that. It was that. pretty funny because it was pretty true. Yeah. <laughs> it is and it is. I'm a male. I don't watch any sports for the most part. I'm just saying you know, like that's not something that would like – like you would did, like yeah. did you respond to the whole like, like inside the like towards the end with inside the boy's head where you didn't say anything and it was just like girl girl yeah. girl that was, that I was mean, funny that, that was funny that was funny but, and I, I agree but, with that uh, I'll say this and I'm not I'm not trying to necessarily defend it because I, I totally see what you're saying about the the emotions only being male and female and whatever it just stuck out because of the, how great the film was outside of that and and that that's a criticism that is valid about it uh, I will say though when you have um, an hour and 24 minutes of the runtime dedicated to Riley's and you only have five minutes dedicated to the parents. If that, I mean, you, you, you don't have much to work with. So you're, you're going to stereotypes that people are going to gravitate towards. And I agree with that. And I think it's, it's telling that that's actually one of the major clips that's used in a lot of the promotional materials is when they go into the parents' mind, because that's what sells. I mean, that's what most, like your average, whatever will just eat up and they'll be like, Oh, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. But, I thought every this says how much I love the film. I thought everything around that was just so much better than that that it just kind of stuck out a little bit to me. That's all. I love the second that when it when it went inside the dad's head and it was just like oh what what did I do I <laughs> I will <laughs> say did I, what did I forget <laughs> as much as I'm bashing it I like the progression of the dad's head because I love the when I got down to the whole uh, uh, put the foot down he didn't uh, put his foot down though I was gonna say there I, I was kind of because I thought it was Pixar so I thought there would be some kind of like actual foot coming out and like stepping like a out. literal foot yeah coming like down. you know just something but uh, but I did like the way that that progressed and uh, it, it was it was funny though when he did. "Quote unquote," put the foot down, and the yeah. anger emotion was just like, "That's it." Yep. Yeah. I love. Um, I love um, every time. Uh, uh, what's her name's emotion? The, the main character, just Joy. Louis, yeah, Louis. Louis Black. Just oh. every time he got angry, just just flames shooting out of his head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was which paid off. Because yeah, that's how they right. got. That's how they got joy and sadness back into the uh, the the console. As they magically had a welding helmet just sitting over there. <laughs> Thank so, God, you know, right? Whatever. Hey, you know what? Thank God is right. Never know. Um, there were a couple of things I wanted to mention which were smaller things. Um, one, a couple of relations to Disney, which of course you're going to have. 
Um, one of the uh, characters in the Imagination Land, uh, which is a small part of it, was uh, Figment from uh, the Journey into Imagination from the Epcot Center. Oh, okay. Um, and also, uh, one thing that I definitely noticed was uh, when Riley's scenes turn into a nightmare, uh, the music playing in the background was from the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> Theme I'm, park references. Yeah. My ratings going up <laughs> as we talk. I'm really, I'm really bad at uh, spotting like any kind of whatever. The only thing I noticed was uh, in the Imagination Land. I, I did notice on the House of Cars. I don't think there was a Queen, but there was an R, which I assume stands for Riley. Uh, but that was one of the cards that was used in the House of Cards, which I thought was kind of funny because kids are pretty narcissistic. Yeah. Well, well, they. They don't really know any different, I yes. guess. Yeah. Um, and then a couple other really quick things. John Ratzenberger did make his way into this movie, so his streak yep. is intact. That's right. Uh, also, Flea from the Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers played when a character. When I saw that in the credits, I was like, yeah. yeah, he was one of the two cops, wasn't he? Um, or was he, he, he was a cop. He was not one of the, the guards, which I'm going to get to. Oh, okay. Right. But the uh, the two subconscious, the subconscious guards who are arguing are uh, voiced by Dave Goles, who is uh, the voice of Gonzo on The Muppets, yep. and Frank Oz, who is another voice. Are you serious? Yeah. Was Boltman? Yes. I did not pick up on that. That's oh, actually man. pretty interesting. It was. <laughs> the, he was the voice of Miss Piggy and the voice of Yoda yeah, in yeah. Star Wars. So um, that, those are just a couple little awesome things that the I The voice casting in so this good. movie in so general good. was, yeah, I would say like every single role that came up, it just became more and more perfect, and I'm like, how are they Even keeping Even Richard this? Kind playing... Um, oh, yeah. Um, what's his name? The the, the imaginary friend, Bing Bong. Bing Bong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bing Bong. Yeah. Bing Bong was almost absolutely convinced as soon as he got on on the actual screen that he was going to be the bad it's guy. Going to be another King Candy King from Candy. Uh, from Wreck It Ralph, but they didn't, and I'm so proud of them for yeah. doing that. Yeah. yeah, no, it was it was fantastic all across the board. I thought, and that's that's what kind of kept keeping me interested. Was like, I'm like, there's so many more characters that they're introducing, so I thought I kept. Like I would start to get a little bored because I'm like you know like this trick would start to like lose its magic, but it, n- it never did for me. And and even the like the which in in this movie sense was the underlying story when in reality of the movie it was the actual what was happening. Yeah. The whole story of her moving from from Minnesota and was a hockey player and now she's in San Francisco and she's just depressed and you know yeah, let's say you take all the emotion characters out of it like. It was actually like a legit relatable story on that uh, yeah. level too. Yeah, and um, yeah, like it, it took finally wanting to go back to Minnesota to be happy again. You know, just where she came from. And the greatest thing about this movie, as far as its emotional core for me, is that not only are the parents not dead because that's a common Disney trend, uh, especially the father. Yeah, um, but like when when during the climax when she just breaks down and starts crying, which was the best. Yeah, like you were saying earlier, like that's just a great message to send to children that, that that's not an inherently bad thing. It was actually, a moment of catharsis. Yes, and that like that's actually good to do and whatever. And then all of a sudden the the adults agree with her, and you know the father says, "Yeah, I miss Minnesota too." Like that was just one of the best. I would say. Kind of what I said earlier, what, what Pixar does best as far as bridging the gap between adults and kids and kind of saying we're all the same. We just process our emotions <laughs> differently. Um, so that's why I just thought this was like just pure unadulterated Pixar through and through. Um, Emily mentioned something to me afterwards that uh, she thought, which is 
It's a fan. It's a fan theory for sure. So um, oh boy. I, I, I don't subscribe to it. But Joy was dead the whole time. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, she. It wasn't me, at least. She and uh, it, it it kind of does a little bit make sense because Pete Doctor, who is the director of this film, his yeah. other two Pixar films up. are up. up and Monsters Incorporated, the oh, original one. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And Emily said that she thought the uh, the main character Riley was uh, an older version of the character Boo from Monsters Incorporated. I don't subscribe to it, but... I, I mean, why do they have different names? Well, that's what they called her. She didn't, oh, they didn't actually know her I name. I guess that's true. I haven't seen hmm. Monsters Inc. in she, quite some she, time. She also said because A, it was the same director when I heard her mention there, and she's like, well, they both had pigtails. I'm like, well... <laughs> well, well, fuck me. That's legit. It's a pretty, <laughs> pretty common, Airtight. smaller Sold child uh, The only reason thing, why I'm whatever is just because... There's so many Pixar fan theories. I know, there. but but it, it's it's one. That, Andy's mom is Jesse's owner. Yeah, well, so oh, yeah, like, yeah. That that's an actual like. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> look that's an actual that's, theory. That's an actual theory. <laughs> yeah, and then there's like but, the whole like continuing theory about like what happened a, to Andy's dad. Right. Yeah. What, I don't, I don't even know what that is. I don't want to know. But but, okay. <laughs> Fine. but but I'll say this. I like that Emily was thinking at least and oh, actually yeah. making that connection. I could actually understand I could see it being somewhat did, did anybody plausible. see the the uh, the ball from Toy Story? I did not. Cuz isn't he that's in every It's in most of them. So I'm sure it's somewhere but Did I, you guys yeah. catch the fact that the car they were driving was actually Lightning McQueen from Cars? <laughs> was it? Shut really? the fuck up. What? Get out of here. Shut up. Just How did they miss that? out there? I don't know. That's so weird. <laughs> and then Tomater was there? No. You didn't see any of that? <laughs> oh, I I did see that. Yeah. Okay. Um, what what else we want to hit on, guys? Is there anything we want to hit to before we go to ratings? One other little, it's not a nitpick, so I'm sorry to do it because I feel like we all love this film. Mm-hmm. So it like we could all, of course, just keep agreeing with each other. One thing that's probably holding me back from thinking that for me, like this is just one of the best films I've ever seen, is that unfortunately, due to its own structure, like there is no, I would say, well defined character. Like everybody has to be their own. Like Riley herself is not in it enough to really. I would say get to know as a character. Now, of course, we can relate to situations and scenarios like we do because Pixar so expertly built them up. But since the main characters themselves are the emotion, they, they do have just one-note personalities. And that's probably the only reason why I wouldn't say this is my p- favorite per- Pixar film is because I didn't get to know them as well as I do certain other Pixar characters because they only have one side. But that's also a necessity. So it's not something I hold against the film. It's just something that kept me at, I would say, less than an arm's length away from it. I still think that, like, even though they are sort of one no, given what you what you just said, like they literally are the the <laughs> manifestation of one yeah. single emotion. Kind of no, have which, to be one dimensional. But no, that's what I'm I saying. I still yeah. thought there were dimensions to them and trying to like understand yeah. what their place was. Really, and and the, and the fact like, that that anger, besides fear, joy, anger, fear, and disgust, try to like pick up the slack and and in their own way, well, they try do, to do it horribly. Joy. Exactly because yeah. they can't. Because, yeah, because that's, that's not who they are. That kind of goes against just what you were saying. Well, no, to his point, like at least. As being one dimensional, they like they made an effort. Like they, yeah. they could have just left that part out, but they they made an effort to. No, not that's be what I'm trying to say. Like this is the way it's it has to joy. be. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like this is the way it has to be, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it. For me, this was the most fulfilling. Uh, but I also wouldn't say that I would want them to do anything differently. I'll, I'll go against your point yeah. a little bit, Nick, because I think uh, this is something that I overwhelmingly loved about the movie is that it did not really have 
too much in terms of its characters being well-defined. Um, there is no antagonist anywhere to be found, really, yeah. in this film. And there's really no protagonist either, other than Joy, who who is, I guess, a protagonist. But at the same time, she's really more of just a character other than being a good or bad character. She has good and bad qualities, just like every other character in this film does. And I feel like that's something that is, especially for a, a children's movie, is so out of the box. And you just don't see it hardly ever in, in most regular movies anyways, let alone a movie that is marketed towards children. So I absolutely ate that up. Well, you could almost great. look at it like, I mean, the, the, the story was built on characters that are emotions. So you could almost say that the antagonist and protagonist could have been the literal emotions of joy and sadness. Yeah. Because there was like a struggle between, which I completely understand, yeah. but it felt more like like a buddy cop scenario, like as far as like we need to stick these two uh, opposites together so that way they can achieve what they wanted. But but there's no really overwhelming like at the end like there's no like we mentioned Wreck-It Ralph there's no King Candy that shows up to become a right. spider towards the, the end of the movie because the villain is somebody who I would think has like like uh, some kind of intrinsic. Uh, I don't know, desire to somehow fuck everything up. And that's not, like, even Sadness didn't have that. It's just she could not separate her own personal nature from, because that's 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 what she was. And I am absolutely with Toussaint, where as soon as uh, Joy hands over the five core emotions to Bing Bong, I'm like, oh, he's going to fuck with those, mm-hmm. isn't he? Yeah. But nope. No, he didn't. They no. they resisted. He was on the level. Shit. <laughs> okay. He's on the level. I'm sorry. Yeah. Love it, Toussaint. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, it was... It was Fantastic, and uh, we were all pretty much in agreement. So let's uh, let's move to ratings and uh, see what we all gave this film. Well, uh, I'm starting off, so I would give this uh, as I've already made pretty clear. I love this film, so I give it a four and a half out of five. It, it just barely for me misses like some kind of perfect mark, and I haven't even seen it. I've only seen it once, so if I see it again, it could very easily rise. But part of the reason why I'm only somewhat hesitant to give it a five star is because part of the fun of watching it for the very first time was I kept thinking like, oh well, like how are they going to tackle dreams and how are they going to? So now that at least I know everything, like I just want to make sure that this film's magic kind of stays intact when I really uh, am not as surprised by how it uh, tackles all these various things. But yeah. as a, as a Pixar film goes, and even just as a uh, a child's film in general goes, this is just one of the most uh, emotionally astute films I've seen, and I'm so glad that Pixar made this, and that they kind of took a few years off to finally get something right, and it was a for a film as, like, it's just something I would say right up my alley of this. I mean, when it comes to, like, uh, thematic material, like, emotional intelligence is kind of something I'm just inherently interested in so yeah. the fact that they were <laughs> modeling this for like a children's film just kind of blew my mind and that they did it so well so i absolutely love this film i don't know that i would call it perfect but what it is is like i wouldn't change a thing about it pretty much so uh yeah definitely fantastic for me mm-hmm. well um if we're gonna go to me next i uh, was a huge fan and uh i already gave one film this year a five out of five and then retracted it Ooh. after so um, I'm going to give uh, this film a 5 out of 5 oh, as well, man. and I'm going to stick to it. I'm, wow. I'm going to stick to my guns on this one because this was not pew, only pew. a great, fun film that I enjoyed watching. I feel like this film was also extremely unique and mm. at the same time um, fulfilled everything I wanted this film to be. Um, it, it, 
it was just such a fulfilling film on so many levels. It was so funny and it was so sad at the parts that it wanted to be. And when it tried to be, it did what it wanted to do. And the way it was able to send the message of that emotions are not cut and dry. You, you don't have laughter and, you know, sadness and, um, anger, you know, these emotions are, are mixed together when you grow up and when you become an adult. And I feel like they did such a glorious job of capturing that. And also I think my favorite part of the entire movie was towards the end when we see the, the, um, the original memories, which were her core memories throughout it, which, which the entire point of the movie was to get those core memories back because she could not, she could not, you know, um, the, the main character Riley could not function really without them. When they came back, they became sad memories instead of happy memories, which totally makes sense yeah. because when you get older, you love looking back on those memories with nostalgia, but you are sad that they are old memories yeah. of a time gone gone away. That you can never go back to. Right, and it, it just did such a great job of capturing it, and the voice work in it was so good. Um, five out of five for me. This is going to win Best Animated Feature of the Year at the Oscars. This is the this first year. time in years that I like. I hope a Pixar film wins. It's going to win, and I I will be shocked if this is not nominated for Best Picture this year. Especially so far when this year has been really light on films that could yeah, usually be the Best Picture nominated. They'll find some October. They'll, they'll find some like left out of field like Serbian puppet show like cartoon in order to like nominate. And, like, but recently, a, like Toy Story three and. Do it. Uh, I know, and 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 the way that the critics have felt about this because critics have been overwhelmingly favorable towards Inside Out. I would be shocked if this isn't nominated. Not that it's going to win or anything like that, but it's going to win Best Animated Feature. It's going to be nominated, I think, because this is just a terrific film. After Lego Movie got snubbed, goddamn uprising. If uh... Lego Movie, I. I, I thought people were a little too excited about like. Well, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't on this wasn't level good. Nominated. Yeah, it wasn't like, even that's nominated. That's pretty fucking <laughs> stupid about it. Yeah. Yeah. Box that, trolls. It's because they have that uh, that live action twelve minute scene, and the Academy is really awful about that shit. They hate that fucking <sighs> shit. Well, the Academy can go fuck itself. Yeah, <laughs> you heard it here first. Yep. <laughs> that's certainly not the first time. That's not a Nick statement. That. It was <laughs> yeah. a film take statement. That's right. And we know you're listening, so go yeah. fuck yourself. <laughs> Go ahead, Kenny. After that, <laughs> please go ahead. That greatness. Go Alrighty. ahead, sir. Uh, well, you guys have kind of pretty much done a, a good job of saying what I was going to say. I can't really say it much better. Uh, I was so creative and imaginative and f- relatable. It was very comical at times. It was very sad at times. Um, I I already mentioned that I loved everything that was inside the universe of of her. Imagine or her brain basically. I also like towards the end when when the the core memories were recovered and everything was back to normal, and then there were more like uh, little islands created, you know, extended well, she got, as she was growing up. And, she got her first core memory that was both sad and happy at the same yes. time. After when she was hugging her uh, parents at the end, so that was great. Yeah, yeah and it just uh, like everything else in this movie did such a good job of you know it showed that next phase of her life as she matured and was growing older and things were progressing you could say so um yeah i i actually was thinking nick you were pretty much right on par with what i was to say about four and a four and a half out of five um i didn't think it was perfect I, it's yeah. shocking to me that we just did our top six list last episode 
to think that had this come out last year, like I, I would say this would probably have been on all of our lists. This yeah. would have made my list. I would it would have been on mine. As well. It would have been high on my list yeah. too. Yeah, yep. I, yeah. I can't say where exactly it would have fallen, but it for sure would have made an impact. I, I would say it's it's right up there with Up. I love Up, and it probably would have bumped that out of my list. So. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I definitely lavoed the shit out of this movie. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> that better be the intro in this episode, by the yeah, way. We'll, we'll, quick, we'll find some. Quick side note. <laughs> you are you are just a big Pete Doctor fan, aren't you? He is a he is a crazy looking person. He should yeah, work he at is. the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a cartoon. <laughs> well, he's working in the right industry, right? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tucson. Uh, let's uh, let's end our ratings and give yours. Um, just looking back on this whole conversation and thinking back on this film, I'm just. I'm a little bit envious of kids that are coming up right now that are going to be able to like refer to like when they saw this film like like as a kid and then growing up like becoming like young adults like being able to come back to this film being able to take so much from it and it's like I think it's a uh, a really good time for for children's media if something like this can come out of it and go ahead like, and say it fuck yeah. them fuck those kids go ahead <laughs> I know that's what you want to what say what the fuck man anyway, maybe we shouldn't say that exactly fucking <laughs> assholes <laughs> anyway. Um, Film take does not necessarily endorse <laughs> anything Kenny personally says. Oh, so. well. God. Um, <laughs> okay. So I was going to try it again. Just remind out of the for, gutter. For Jeez. a bigger sentiment. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this film, and I would give it oh, a, man, a, a four and a half out of five. Um, like I said, it was like a, a five is a. a uh, a rating that I refer to for a film that kind of like is, is yeah. almost like life changer, life affirming. I agree. In sort of a way. But um, I, I really enjoy this and everyone should definitely go see it. Yeah, well. And with a, a four and a half out of five, a five. It's going to make the five, goddamn hit this, list. It's finally making a hit Holy list. Cow. I'm so happy. It's our first hit list entrance in Prometheus. <laughs> Whoa, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. I look at that Ooh. sometimes and I'm just like, oh, I kind of regret that now. Hindsight. <laughs> Well, well, that was because it was before we entered the new. Rules. I was to say, yeah. Prometheus. Prometheus is known as the rule changer. That's, like, that's why we retroactively. We, no, no, but that's why we it. redefine the rules. Yeah, and that's why it still stays on the list that's because right. it made it under the previous rules, and it's the reason why the rules are changed. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, and I, I think too, I'll have to look at our Big Lebowski ratings because I know I didn't give that a five out of five, but this is going to be close to being our top rated overall film. So, yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. obviously, big fans of uh, Inside Out, and if you have not seen it yet, uh, go to the theater because it's a it's a great it's a great movie and it's uh, a lot of fun. So, speaking of a lot of fun, uh, next week on Film Tank, we're going to be discussing another new movie, which is uh, maybe funny and maybe not. Uh, that is the second installment in the uh, the TED series of the uh, Seth MacFarlane. Damn. Yeah. My uh, face is just a stone wall right now. I'm just like... I think Kenny and myself both liked the first one. Did you like it or not so much? I did. Yeah, okay. Uh, very strangely, because I want—I really want nothing to do with the first one, and then I finally just gave in and saw it, and it was much better than I thought. But yeah. I can honestly say I have the same exact fucking feelings about this one. I really, really have no interest in it. But uh, Tucson has no interest in seeing this movie I, at I, all. I mean, I so. went to go see the first one, and I you remember did? you said you didn't see it. I did go see the first one. I—I no. just—I didn't. I. I, I the feeling that I got from the, the first film was that it kind of came off as some like like reject Family Guy jokes that got like rehashed in the well, film. Oh, Seth MacFarlane! I was never gonna say that's, that. that's just every Seth MacFarlane project. Yeah, 
There's no yeah, way. It's except for it, American Dad. American Dad actually came into its own. <laughs> I will stand by that. The I fucking main that. character looked just like. <laughs> it, you think that, that that didn't remind you of Family Guy at Wait, all? Well, not that it doesn't remind you of it, but as I, far as the the voices the, on the writers' table, I guess that show is that. is a little bit different. The dad looked like Peter Griffin. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah. there is no way in hell that Ted Two is going to be worse than A Million Ways to Die in the West. No, I, nope. I, if it if it is, that'll be quite the feat. <laughs> that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. So. I can't believe you made me see it. I have successfully <laughs> not seen that movie. Yeah, you I took, are so lucky. I took you were you the to only see, one here. I took you to see that, and I took you to see uh, Exodus: Gods and Kings last year. You're a monster. Yeah, you, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? I can't believe I agreed to do a film podcast with you. <laughs> I was gonna say, but you you dragged me to see a couple of movies that I had no interest in. That's because so you're crazy. Uh, like well, Obvious Child, that movie is terrible. Oh, not terrible. Yes, it was. It was. No, it was not good. It was a good movie. No, it was not. It was a good movie. What was Obvious Child? <laughs> it's, uh, you saw it. Yeah, it was the one with. The, uh, I'm trying to remember. Like I'm thinking of the same film. It's the indie film with the woman who wants to have an abortion. Yeah. I, I like that one. You just yeah, laugh at the right. word abortion, Alex. No, I just laughed at the way you said it. It's an indie film about a woman who wants to have an abortion. I was just trying to yeah. explain. Yeah, I get it. But yeah. yes, it was that film. Jenny, yeah. Jenny Slate. It was the day the we saw character. the rover. I hate that. Film. Yeah, that wasn't good. Also, either. not that good. Yeah, no. also one that Alex picked out. Kind of, I kind of I, I kinda yeah. fell asleep in the middle of that film. I like Guy you, Pierce. You fall asleep in a lot of films. Hey, I'm, I'm becoming my father. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, on that note. All right. Well, yeah. Well, you'll, you'll have to listen next week to see how everyone feels about Ted 2. Uh, there are certainly a wide range of opinions uh, before seeing it. So we'll see how we feel next week. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, let us know how you felt about Inside Out or um, really anything else. We're open to anything film-related or TV-related or whatever you want to send to us. Send us an email at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well if you want to find us on there and send us messages there. We'll, we'll be available. Uh, also, you can find the show on filmtankshow.com and also at iTunes where you can find our most recent episodes for sure. Uh, so, Josh, yeah. get on that horror tournament. Get on it now. I think we're the gonna, way that you I, pronounce yeah. it. I think we're gonna think yeah. up the horror. We're gonna. We're gonna Josh he just needs not to listen vote. to Kenny. <laughs> yeah, he said this three times now, and every time we've been like, "Actually, Josh, don't yeah. do that." Are you boxing? Over no. There? What are you doing? I'm no, not he's doing just anything. dancing. Yeah, I'm dancing. I he's been blessed with the ability to dance. So yeah, <laughs> not really. Nah. No. Nah. I'm oh, terrible at dancing. Rough stuff, man. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) So from Kenny Marsalis. I love you guys. Tucson Egan, Nick Cheney, and myself, Alex Diekman. Thank you very much for listening. (laughs) Thank you much. (laughs) We'll catch you next time. See ya.